Dave and Ryan's movie review takes seven and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by Nobody. Welcome in to another week of this fabulous show that we have fun doing all the time. And oh, yeah. uh, Ryan is here and I am here. Ryan, how was your week? It was pretty good. How was yours? Not too bad. And, uh, you know, we, we went and saw a fabulous movie. We're going to talk about we it did, here we did. in just a little bit. But, um, you know, how many more movies are you going to be getting anytime soon? And that is the first story at the top of This Week in Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, a place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right, as of right now... The actors are on strike. Now, on Wednesday, they agreed to, like, federal mediation. Negotiations fell through, and because uh, it's already been voted on and passed that they're going to go on, they were going to go on strike, and, well, darn it, they, they did. did it. Yep. They did it. We had to see Fran Drescher on Thursday <laughs> uh, came out, and she is, because she's the president of SAG-AFTRA, and she said that uh, responses to the actors' concerns from studios have been insulting and disrespectful. Wow. She said the companies have refused to meaningfully engage on some topics and on others completely stonewalled us. Until they do negotiate in good faith, we cannot begin to reach a deal. And, and I watched this, this press conference, and I just, <laughs> I don't want, I am not against any union of any nature whatsoever. I want that to be first and foremost. However, I just can't understand, and, and, and I think you put it best, Ryan, how can we empathize with somebody that lives in multi-million dollar yeah. homes and probably, you know, doesn't necessarily need to work tomorrow? Yeah. It's very difficult for that. I understand what they're fighting for, basically the same things as the writers. But here's what we're losing when they go on strike. Uh, during the strike, actors are not allowed to film any movie or TV productions whatsoever. We're done. Yep. Okay. Um, also, they can't take part in any press junkets or premieres. Mm. This is going to probably hurt the most for uh, the Haunted Mansion movie that's yeah. coming out on the 28th because we probably won't get anything for that. Barbie and Oppenheimer had their premieres. In fact, um, the Oppenheimer premiere in London, when the, when the strike was imminent, the actors got up and left. Wow. So they walked out of their own premiere. Plus, they're not allowed to uh, promote anything at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, and they will have been advised to not attend it at all. So this is what we're losing. And this we've talked about yep. this. This is a, not a time that Hollywood can afford this to happen. No, no. They are struggling right now. <laughs> and, you know, most people think, oh, it just affects movies. But, you know, like you said, Comic-Con, uh, you know, you go the Salt Lake Comic-Cons in September here. And I know a lot of the people that they have scheduled – might be backing out now, and people's already paid that money to meet them. 
and uh, they're just going to get refunded. But, you know, that opportunity doesn't come around every time. That's very true. The other thing, too, that we looked at and we, we talked about with this as well is, you know, how many movies that are in the can ready to go are they not even going to release now? Yeah, there's no point to release it if they can't, you know, advertise for if, it. If nobody's going to promote it and go out and do yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, it's a mess. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, it's it's going to get worse before it gets better, I have a feeling. Hopefully. It feels <laughs> One can only hope, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of new movies that are on their way or getting ready, um, more have been added to James Gunn's Superman Legacy. Now, Anthony Kerrigan, I don't know if you ever watched the show Barry. Uh, no, I he was not. on uh, the gentleman was on Gotham as well. The series Gotham. Anyway, he played Victor's Zaz on Gotham. He has been tapped for the role of Metamorpho Ooh. and David Cornsweet, of course, Clark Kent. We know that. Yep. And Rachel Brosnahan is his love interest also. And this is one that people have been kind of waiting for because people just have this thing for this guy. Nathan Fillion <laughs> is going to p- get to play. A Green Lantern. He will be Guy Gardner. Ooh. Isabella Merced, who was uh, Dora in the live-action Dora the Explorer movie, is Hot Girl. And Edie Gathigi as Mr. Terrific. Mr. Terrific, if you watched Arrow, he was in that. The character was. Yeah. Uh, this gentleman was actually in, uh, I believe, X-Men First Class. So, uh, And then let's look at the... The box office, for better or worse. <laughs> uh, number five, Spider-Man Across the Universe last week pulled in $8 million dollars. Puts a, hef- a nice looking total there, three hundred fifty-seven point yeah. six million. That's not too bad. Um, Elemental hits at number four with a ten million dollar week for a hundred nine overall. That was a good movie. It was a good movie. Sound of Freedom yeah. is like the little engine that could. We're hitting a nineteen point six million dollars this week on a total of forty one point six million. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny twenty seven point four. An overall total of 122.1, and number one, because it was the new movie, Insidious Red Door, yep. pulled in $33 million. Um, you know what's not on that list? The Flash. The Flash. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks. We've, we've had this discussion. We know. We know. All right. Can we, can we put it to bed? Speaking of which, that movie is already going to be out on digital on the 18th of July. Really? Yes. So you can watch it over and over now. That was fast. That was almost in a flash, <laughs> wasn't it? All right, so before we get into today, we're going to have a lot of fun. We went and saw Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Great movie. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a moment. Uh, we're also going to cover and cover some Utah-made movies. One yeah. of the Mission Impossible movies was a Utah-made movie. It was yes, made it was. Here. We'll talk about that. And then in our final segment, we're going to talk about cult classics. And I think we've pulled a couple of pretty good ones. I think so. And we also have a new thing we're going to talk about would we get to mission to our uh, movie review? We're going to have fun with that one as well. All right, before we step away for a moment, we got to hear from the guy in the dark room with the deep voice. Welcome into another honest movie review. Today, we go back to 2015 for the American erotic romantic drama, Fifty Shades of Grey. Mr. Grey will see you now. What was he like? He was intense, smart, really intimidating. To what do you owe your success? I exercise control in all things, Miss Steele. If Christian Grey was broke and looked like San Casso, Fifty Shades of Grey would be called A Nightmare on Elm Street. I can't wait to speak with you again next week. 
feel like that's a pretty true assessment of that movie. Yeah, and you are wearing a gray shirt today. I, there you, I, just call me Mr. Gray for the rest Ooh. of the day, all right? Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment one, action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it. So you're the first to hear about it. And this week's latest release is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, starring Tom Cruise. This marks the seventh installment of the Mission Impossible franchise, and this go-around, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. Let's hear what Dave and Ryan thought of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which is rated PG-13 and playing nationwide. I thought that this movie was pretty darn good. Yeah, so did I. I've got to say. And we, we talked about going in... That if there's maybe one person, maybe one person that can maybe save the summer box office, it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> it is a mission that is impossible. <laughs> right now it is. So, of course, it's uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, we get Haley Atwell in this one. If you don't know her, you do know her. She yeah. was Peggy Carter in the Captain America movies. Uh, Ving Rames is back. Simon Pegg is back. Isai Morales is there as a villain that you are going to love to hate. I th that's the best description that I can give you of yeah. him. Um, Cl Palm Clementif, I believe we we decided how to say her name. She was Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy. She's yeah. in this one, and she he is violent, very much so. Uh, Henry Zierney is in this movie as Kittrich. He's been in quite a few of them, and then Carrie Elwes even makes an appearance in this movie. So big cast, big picture. Um, we knew what it was going to look like going in, didn't we? Yes. Yes. And because that's one thing about the uh, Mission Impossible movies locations, we were in Norway, England, Italy, uh, Abu Dhabi. You said that you loved the cinematography in this one. Oh yeah, the camera work was amazing, especially on all the stunts. The stunts are amazing and over the top. Yeah, the the only one I kind of had a problem with was the, the fight scene in the alleyway. I don't know the camera was supposed to be really shaky, you know, to kind of throw you off, it, but it just kind of made me queasy. It got to be too much. That's yeah. true. But uh, stunts are front and first and foremost front and center in every oh, Mission yeah. Impossible. There's one. always one gigantic over the top stunt, and there is in this one as well. Yes, <laughs> and it's in the trailer. It's, it's not. It's, it's true. not like we're spoiling. Yeah, anything. it's not like you, he, you've seen it. You he just rode don't know. off of a cliff on a motorcycle. And I think the funnier part of the whole thing is the way that it's set up. Yeah. <laughs> so but he did not that. want to do that. Uh, this is a long movie, two hours forty three minutes, yeah. but it. it it didn't really play that long, I didn't think. Uh, PG-13 on this one for mostly violence. Yeah, uh, here, a lot of violence. Yes, here's the thing. The last installment was 2018, I believe. Oh. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout made $791.6 million worldwide. That's why I'm saying he can do this. Yeah, hopefully. And this movie, okay, let's, let's talk about this. This all revolves around a cruciform key. Yep. They are looking for these two parts of the key to put together because excellently he makes this whole movie about AI. Yeah, and you don't even know what the key really unlocks. No, and we really still don't know. Yeah. So 
But what st- what starts it out with is there is a Russian submarine that this AI is on. Yeah. Uh, the the submarine kind of makes the people that are on the submarine think that they're under attack. Yeah. They end up, uh, you know, actually shooting and blowing their own submarine up because they think that they're under attack, and the AI is what has con- has made all this possible. Now he's controlling. Everything. He's controlling everything. So. <clears throat> Uh, and what happens is, of course, the submarine sinks. The two keys are on the submarine, so we think. Uh, but they are up and surfacing, and people are trying to figure out where these keys are because, of course, this thing is deadly yeah. if it can be weaponized. However, what they need to understand is that it is already thinking for itself. And the majority of the movie, and I, I would say this, the majority of the movie, the machine is always one step ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One. He predicts the movement of everybody in the show, and uh, there was one scenario where they talk about that um, he, the AI, feels fear that um, Tom Cruise's character Ethan Hunt might succeed in getting the keys, and he, I guess, the AI doesn't really know what to do with that sort of information because then he throws everything at Ethan to try to stop him. And it's it's just it's a great movie. It's a fun it's a thriller it's a it's a spy movie it's espionage it's action it's adventure um the the ending scene you don't think is ever gonna end no <laughs> this movie's like the end of the lord of the rings You're like is it over yet no is it over no it oh but you know what i'm, I'm glad that it's not uh, the thing about this one is this was just part one it was in the title yeah, even one. so we knew going in we have to wait until next year before we're going to know how this really all yeah, comes together. Next year. So it, go see this movie. Lot, yeah. Like I said, it was a lot of fun. Good time. It is a popcorn movie. It really is. It's a summer movie. It, it, is, it is. You might end up going to get popcorn once or twice during the movie because it is long. They need an intermission for a bathroom break at least. <laughs> yeah. When you get to be my age, you need a bathroom break. <laughs> About two hours and probably two hour mark. I could come back and handle 43 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have to give this one four popcorn buckets. Great movie. Yeah. And I gave it three and a half popcorn buckets. It is a good movie. It, it is a fun, fun movie. And hopefully Tom Cruise can turn the box office around. Um, I will say this, though. I've, I've talked to some people that are like huge Tom Cruise fans. Okay. And I said, I will just say this. And they go. Don't tell me Tom Cruise is getting old. I said he is. He is. He's getting. He's getting up there. He's getting really old, and and I think you're going to see more of this because, as you mentioned, he did it at the beginning of, of Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. Him and the director of the movie. Um, at the beginning of this, if you go see it in theaters, him and the director of the movie come out and thank people for going to see this movie in theaters. That's yep. the important part. Um, it's just. Uh, Get everybody together. This is fun for the whole family. It really is. Yes. A lot Give of people say do. that, but it truly, truly is. So, uh, I, I, as I said, four popcorn buckets. Great movie. Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. And next week, Ryan is just over the moon <laughs> because we're going to go see Barbie. I'm a Barbie girl. So we've got that to look world. forward to. All right. So now we get to have some fun. Okay. We've come up with something that it's, it's it, well, she'll explain it all. We'll let her take care of it. Yeah. There is not a single moviegoer walking planet Earth that hasn't been suckered into a film due to amazing marketing. And it all starts with trailers. 
they can be exciting, setting the tone from ones of anticipation. Sometimes the movie itself lives up to the hype. Other times, the trailer is better than the actual movie. Lisa called Jatan Pinks. So as we walk through the Hollywood trailer park, let's stop and dissect the latest trailer. It's from Warner Brother Pictures, the prequel called Wonka. I've spent the past seven years traveling the world perfecting my craft. You see, I'm something of a magician, inventor, and chocolate maker. So quiet up and listen down. Nope, scratch that. Reverse it. So you're the funny little man who's been following me. I will have you know that I am a perfectly respectable size for an Oompa Loompa. An Oompa what now? Allow me to refresh your memory. Oh, I don't think I want to hear that. Too late. I've started dancing now. Once we've started, we can't stop. Now, Dave and Ryan, you get to tell us, is this trailer a Hollywood smash or Hollywood trash? Dave? On Alec Baldwin's cue, you have 30 seconds. All right, so here's what I thought. I watched the trailer. I thought it looked really good. Um, it's not going to be like the first one. Um, it's it's a little darker in tone. I've got to say, though, it's coming out at the right time. It's coming out at Christmas time. Timothy Chalamet is really big right now. I'm going to say this movie is going to be a smash. That's what I've got to say. Um, it just looks good, and Hugh Grant is great as an Oompa Loompa. You can't, you can't look bad on him as being an Oompa Loompa. He looks great. But as I said, this one's going to be... All right, that's enough. That's enough. There's two of you. Ryan, you're next. Alec, aim that way. <laughs> so I am totally opposite. I think this movie is going to be trash. Uh, visually, it looks good, but the story, I think, is just not going to work. You know, it's... You know, it's definitely a preteen, you know, who they're going for. I think we'll get a lot of those going out, but I don't think overall it's going to be very successful at all. Just no, no. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Sounds like you got time left. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you don't want to talk about how terrible The Flash was again? <laughs> oh, The Flash was horrible, people. Do Sorry, not watch it. Time's up. It's no more trailer talk, at least this week. Dave, I think we've ran a little over on time. You better send us to break. All right, so when we come back, we're going to talk Utah movies, and there's quite a few of them, so uh, don't go anywhere. Hey, idiots, we're back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment two, and action. Have you ever been watching a movie and all of a sudden the background catches your eye? Deja vu, like you've been there before, and it's probably because you have. Utah is home to some of the most beautiful scenery in the country. And because of that, there have been a lot of Hollywood blockbusters shot in this very state. And since Dave and Ryan spend a lot of time at movie theaters in Utah, we thought it'd be fun to look at movies that were filmed right in this state. So Dave, Ryan, dazzle us now. Well, we'll try. Here's the thing. Um, there's over a thousand movies when I was looking that were shot here in Utah. Yeah. And it, as it's, we have some great scenery. And some of them are like the most iconic. And the, like the first movie filmed here, when I went back and I was looking, all the way back in 1935. Okay? And, and it was Stagecoats by uh, director John Ford. Fell in love with southeastern Utah. And it started a relationship. He did six total movies here. He did, of course, Stagecoach. He did uh, My Darling Clementine, Fort Apache. She wore a yellow ribbon. The Searchers, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. And Cheyenne Autumn. So that far back is how long people have been coming here 
to to make movies. And before we get into some of the movies that were that were here that people will recognize and know, uh, let's talk about it because you did some work with on the Utah Film Commission. What kind of money are we talking here that it brings in? And there are a lot of incentives who aren't there. Oh yeah. Uh- the first incentive is a tax break, a 20% tax uh, compensation, and it can even go up to 25% depending on where they shoot in the state. Uh, but, you know, just uh, there's also a bunch of film festivals here in Utah, too. You know, everyone knows Sundance. But then there's the Backseat Film Festival, which is a traveling uh, film festival. It started in Park City. The Red Rock Film Festival is in St. George. The Slam Dance Film Festival is in Park City. And then uh, Doc Utah is in at uh, Utah Tech which used to be Dixie State, I believe. Yes, that's true. Um, so let's really kind of jump in here and talk about the the movies because it is, I believe, almost a $600 million boon for the state of Utah. Oh, yeah. It's They're huge. so successful. They built a, a film studio in Park City. They did that. Um, I know the, the movie, a lot of people will know the name of the movie, The Chosen. Yeah. And it's a whole film series. There is a... There is a film set, they call it Little Jerusalem, that is just outside of of Lehigh on the way through on the back roads to Delta and things like that. So to start us off, uh, as I said, we we talked about 1935's The Stagecoach. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids film here in 1969. What a great movie, and it also kind of ignited a love affair for Robert Redford in the state of Utah. Yeah, he would he go on. Here. He he lives here. Uh, he would go on to uh, also film Jeremiah Johnson in the state of Utah and parts of the Electric Horseman were filmed in the state of Utah. Yeah. So great movies all. Uh, but the one that people are gravitate towards especially with what just came out and everything, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The very beginning of it is filmed in Arches National Park. Yeah. You see Balance Rock, you see uh, Double Arch and it's just, you know, people are thinking, "Wow, Indiana Jones grew up in Moab, Utah. Didn't even know that. Well, now you know. Um, the Sandlot. For me, hands down, probably my favorite, most iconic Utah film movie. It's good. I think it's a little overrated, but it's still a good film. It is just a fun, fun movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, in fact, coming up on the 4th of August, the Salt Lake Bees are having Sandlot Night. Yep. The cast will be there. You can go hang with them and just go see that movie. It is Fabulous. I, I love that movie. Um, and, of course, uh, 1984, Footloose put Lehigh Roller Mills uh, on the map. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. I don't know if you've heard about the push to get him to Payson for their prom this coming fall. I have not. Okay, because the most of the, the school scenes for Footloose were filmed in Payson High School. Mm. And they are actually getting in the process to tear Payson High School down and redo the whole school. It's also going to be, what is it, the 30, no, more than that. It's the anniversary of Footloose. You do the math really quick. Um, 40. Yeah, 40. About the 40th anniversary of the movie Footloose. So uh, they want him to come to their prom. That would be awesome. (laughs) So I I think that would be cool. Also, they're touting this website. I had to try it out, and it appears that I am. Uh, The game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes. If you go to BaconToPayson.com, uh, FamilySearch.com has put it together. You put in your nearest uh, deceased relative, and it will tell you if they are related to Kevin Bacon. Really? Yes. And I found out I am Kevin Bacon's ninth cousin twice removed. Oh. 
Yeah, I would remove you too. I'm going to go be knocking on some doors, I'll tell you that. It's um, bacon time. That's right. In 2010, the movie 127 Hours was re- was filmed here. It's kind of a coincidence since it took place here. Yeah, it was filmed in Moab, and uh, there was they actually built a uh, set in, I believe it was uh, Holiday. And so that, that movie was filmed here. Thelma and Louise. Yep. Iconic, iconic uh, landscapes and everything in that movie. Um, Forrest Gump. They've actually renamed that road in Monument Valley to yep. Forrest Gump Road now. Yeah. People go and so take many pictures. people stop. Oh, it's uh, this one I found very very interesting. National Treasure with Nicolas Cage. Now that movie at the very beginning of that movie, when they are looking for the submarine at the beginning of the movie and they're on the ice and everything in the mm-hmm. snow and it, that is actually Strawberry Reservoir. Really? Yes. So that movie was filmed. That parts of that movie. I, were I do filmed know here. a lot of films used the uh, Utah State Capitol as a replica of the. Of the capital of the United States capital. It's very similar. Yeah. Very similar. Um, and then we've talked, of course, uh, just a few weeks ago about uh, Independence Day. Yep. Uh, John Carter from Mars, which I think got a bad rap. That was not a terrible movie. It was filmed here. Uh, Star Trek, the 2009 version of Star Trek, was filmed out on the San Rafael yep. Swell for, I believe it was uh, Exteriors of the Planet Vulcan. Yeah. As was uh, the movie Galaxy Quest. It's not on here. But it, they filmed that in Goblin Valley. Yeah. Uh, how about the Lone Ranger? Did you ever see that one? Unfortunately, I did. See, and I didn't think it was that bad of a film either. You, you know which one you are forgetting? It's Dumb and Dumber. I'm coming. I was saving that one because <laughs> almost that entire movie was filmed in Utah. It was. Uh, when you go back and look, at, they based it in Rhode Island. The apartment is actually in downtown Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, her mansion is actually Lakai. That's at the mouth of is it Little Cottonwood Canyon, I believe. I believe so. Um, but yeah, the airport scenes, everything. Yeah. A lot of it was filmed right here in the state of Utah. And then really the last and probably really big movie that was filmed in Utah, uh, Hereditary, which was a horror movie. So you probably no. didn't see it. No. Uh, it was a fabulous movie. Great movie. All of it was filmed here in Utah. And in fact... And you probably know Morgan Lund. Yeah. He's in it. Wow. That's, it's just that's a really awesome. quick scene. He is a professor in a class as she's walking through a hallway, but he is in that movie. And the funny thing is, is we were walking. I can't remember what was going on. We were walking the sidewalks and he was out walking and my daughter goes, that's the guy from Hereditary. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's him. That's yeah, the guy. Yeah. He lives right here. So, I mean, lots of great movies. And the other thing, too, if you go on to the Utah Film Commission website, they're all there. Yeah, and on the, web commi- on the Utah Film Commission webpage, you can apply to work on these movies, too. And you can put up your property for filming locations. I, I saw that. The other great thing that I saw on there is they, you could actually, they, you go by class. What you know, They have broken it down into different films and stuff yeah. like that. And then it gives you like a road trip. Mm-hmm. To go on all these movies, like it gives you a specific road trip just for Thelma and Louise. Yeah, and actually, the Utah Film Commission just did a spotlight of Carbon County on their Facebook page. They the did. It was amazing. You know, when we were talked about doing this, and that popped up. Yeah. So yeah, if you see a movie, chances are it was filmed right here. The other one that really threw me, or the the genre that really threw me, there are a lot of horror movies. Yeah. Now, granted, they're probably B movies. 
or straight to video movies or streaming movies. Yeah. But there are a lot of horror movies that were filmed in Utah. Yeah. I, wasn't one of the Halloweens filmed? It was, yeah. yeah. So, you know, check out that website. It's really cool, especially if you're into this kind of stuff. Uh, the other thing that you can check out, too, is if you ever go down to Moab. Oh, yeah. They have a museum. Yep. At the uh, the winery, One, yeah, I believe it's at the winery, and you go in there, go downstairs, and it talks about all the films, the the westerns, and yeah. westerns were so huge. Yeah, John Wayne filmed a lot of movies. There. He did. He spent a lot of time in our area, and the funnier, well, it's not funny. I take that back. The thing about that is, uh, the movie from that he was in, it was in 1956. It was called The Conqueror. And if you do any reading on this movie, you're already laughing, so you know where I'm going. Yeah. This is actually considered to be one of the worst casted movies of all time because yeah. John Wayne played Genghis Khan. Yeah. And the thing about it, where they filmed it, uh, funny story. Once again, I said funny, but it's not. <laughs> uh, Howard Hughes was the executive producer of this movie. Yeah. Okay. They filmed it in St. George. Now, everybody knew what the government had done in St. George, but the government said that everything was fine. Nobody questioned anything as far as the nuclear testing that went on down there. They feel that him and other members of the cast uh, were more susceptible to cancer because of what of the time they spent down there filming that movie. Hmm. And then to make matters worse, when they needed to finish the movie back in Hollywood, Howard Hughes trucked in 60 tons of soil from the area. Wow. So he took it all with him. <laughs> so that was in, in there. And, and a lot of people think that is, is really what led to his first cancer diagnosis because there were a lot of people on that cast that that happened to. So, um, and it's, the sad part about it is while we're talking about that, it is a dying genre. Westerns are a dying genre. Yeah. You used to get a few every year. Now you get one, maybe every th three years. And the one that we really haven't even talked about, which is a Western, uh, and it's recent and w coming out maybe in two or three years, uh, the big movie Horizon that Kevin Costner is working on. He worked on in our area. Yep. He worked on in southern Utah, all those things. And um, we'll see how that is. But, yeah, that's it's just one of those things. Westerns are just one of those movies. You've got to have those big, wide-open yeah. landscapes for a Western. Well, and well that's, speaking of Kevin Costner, the show Wyoming films here, too, or yeah, Yellowstone. Yellowstone used to. Yeah. It used to until COVID. Then they moved to Montana, yeah. I think. So uh, lots of things that you may know and you may not know that were filmed here in Utah. Go check them out. Like I said, go to the Utah Film Commission website. Check it out. Plenty of great stuff on there. Yeah. And it's in our backyard. A lot of it is. You might be surprised what you find. Very much so. All right. So coming up, we're going to talk about cult classics. And we've picked a couple of good ones. So you're going to want to stay where you're at for this. Everyone shut up. Time to get back to work. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three, and action. Sometimes a great movie fails to catch a mass audience and becomes a box office failure. But like the unbearable presence of Seth Rogen, they hang around long enough to become a cult classic. <laughs> anyway, cultists typically want to make noise without being heard, because deep down, they know history may actually be right, and their movie flat out sucks. To represent the silent minority, we have Dave and Ryan talking cult classics. All right, so these are movies that, you know, may not have hit it big when they first came out, but they've 
created quite a following. Yeah. Um, and the one that I have chosen, I was introduced to this movie in my high school senior year. And it just really created an unhealthy obsession with them. <laughs> uh, my movie is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I told them we already got one. <laughs> well, um, can we come up and have a look? Of course not. You are English type, sir. Well, what are you then? I'm French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? What are you doing in England? Mind your own business. So this movie came out in 1975. It had a budget of, get this, and this is in today's dollars, $3.1 million. Really? Really. And the better part about that budget is um, gr the groups Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and Genesis all contributed to the budget of the film. Ooh. In fact, during the recording of Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd would stop when Monty Python and the Flying Circus came on. They would stop <laughs> recording and go watch that. Um, box office, about $10.2 million. That's today's money, but this movie has made that over and over and over yeah. many, many times. Um, uh, Monty Python is actually a sketch comedy group from, uh, from England. Uh, the movie is with uh, John Cleese, Terry Gilliam, uh, Terry Jones, Michael Palin, Eric Idle, and Graham Chapman. Uh, a lot of these people, they, they and they created more movies. Um, after this, the, they went into the more risque Life of Brian. Yeah. And that is a fabulous movie in and of itself, and that's for another day. <laughs> uh, but then there was movies like the, A Fish Called Wanda and Fierce Creatures that kind of have these same, same yeah. people in it. Uh, great movie to see. And basically what the movie is... They're on the search for the Holy Grail. Yep, King Arthur. King Arthur puts together a Knights of the Round Table, gets them all together, and a really interesting piece of trivia, the reason that they used coconuts to simulate the uh, horse's hooves, they couldn't afford horses. So they went with coconuts. Anyway, so they go through the it's countryside. Work, it's perfectly. It does. It, somehow it all works. Yeah. Uh, they go through the countryside. They On the way there, they meet the knights that say knee. Uh, that are looking for a shrubbery. They they meet the Black Knight, and um, hilarity ensues. But, you know, they finally get all the way through the movie. They think they have found the grail. And honestly, the ending is one of my favorite parts because <laughs> they're getting ready to lay siege to this castle that's in the middle of this lake. And they look out, and all of their men are on the hillside. It's like a scene from Braveheart. Yeah. They've got all the soldiers and everything lined up. And they start the charge down the hill, and they're headed towards the water. And just before they get to the water, the police show up. They haul them off, and that's where the movie ends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it doesn't fade out. It just ends. It just ends. It's and I don't know what, what they had done to her, but the lady gets out of the car and she goes, that's them, officer. Well, uh, they killed her husband oh, earlier in the movie. Okay, so that's them. So, they, yep, they just throw him in the car. And that's how it ends. Uh, as I said, it, it, came, it came out in 75. I started watching it in, in my senior year of high school, and then it just kind of got worse from there. You mean better? Or better. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's not for everybody. No. You have to appreciate British humor. Yeah. It's dry and a little slapstick and shit sometimes. Right. And if you don't appreciate British humor, then it may not be the thing for you, but it might grow on you as well. Yeah, that is true. Um, Collider has this down as one of the top 10 most quotable movies of all time. Oh, I would say so. And, and I got some here just to share with you. Um, 
What is the airspeed of a airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? And and if you know these, you're you're all you're <laughs> laughing about it already. Um, listen, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aqua aquatic ceremony. <laughs> and possibly the most well known one, tis but a scratch. And and if you've never seen the movie, they're fighting with the the knight, and he is down to like his last leg. And they're like, "What? How are you going to continue to go?" He goes, "You're bleeding everywhere. Tis but a scratch." <laughs> and of course, the French. Uh, I don't want to talk to you no more, you empty-headed animal food trough wiper. <laughs> it's I, it's just it's nonsensical. It is a funny movie, and if you don't enjoy British comedy, probably don't watch it. But it, you may not realize that you like British humor. Yeah, it's very true. Because I think that it, once you watch it. You're going to enjoy it. Another great thing that's, uh, that came off of this, in 2004, there was a musical called Spamalot. Yes, yes, there was. And if you've, ever li- if you've never listened to the soundtrack for Spamalot, do it tomorrow. I, I promise you will not be disappointed. All right, so there I am. That is my cult classic this week, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Love the movie. Go see it. And uh, I know you will not be disappointed. Ryan? Uh, so for my cold classic, I chose Office Space. What What would you say you do here? Well, look, I already told you. I deal with the damn customers so the engineers don't have to. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand it? What the hell is wrong with you people? <laughs> that always gets me. <laughs> so Office Space came out in 1999. Uh, it's a story about uh, three uh, workers who live in an o- or work in an office who are just just hate their jobs. And then um, uh, the main character, uh, Peter. Peter, yeah. He uh, goes to therapy with his uh, girlfriend at the time, and he puts him in a trance, and then the guy has a heart attack before snapping him out of it. So he's just, just in this, you know, doesn't care, fully relaxed state, and the rest of the movie is just golden. It really is. <laughs> it is. But it starts, uh, it starts everyone's, everyone's had this experience. It starts um, of uh, him going to work, stuck in traffic. The cars are moving, so he gets in that lane, and the cars move on the other lane, and he gets in there, and he just... There's a guy, an old man with a walker just passing everybody. <laughs> it's just the mundane stuff that yeah. you do. Yeah, but this uh, this had a budget of $10 million, uh, but it only made uh, $12.2 million. It has an IMDb rating of 7.6 and a Rotten Tomato of 80%. Um, it was uh, written and directed by Mike Judge. Uh, most people know him from Beavis and Butthead, um, King of the Hill, Idiocracy. Um, this starred Ron Livingston as Peter. Uh, he was in The Flash. He he played uh, the father to The Flash. Good reference. Yeah. <laughs> he was also in Band of Brothers and Boardwalk Empire. And then this also starred Jennifer Aniston. Yes, Everybody it knows her from Friends. Yes, it did. Yeah. But this is a great movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love uh, when Jennifer Aniston uh, quits her job because she doesn't have enough flair. Enough flair. Are you okay with just the minimum amount of flair? And that's my judge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. he's in the movie. I I'll tell you what. This, I love this movie. Oh yeah. It, I the, the the printer scene when they get fired. I got a surprise for you. And they're just beating the crap out of this printer that always jams on. <laughs> One of my favorite things in the whole movie is the running gag of of the guy's name. Oh yeah, Michael, Michael Bolton. T- 
any relation to the famous singer? And he absolutely hates Michael Bolton. <laughs> he is this guy. And the funny thing about him is he is probably what? Maybe 110 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. <laughs> Six foot five inches tall, maybe. Yeah. And he likes gangster rap. Yes. <laughs> and the, the scene when he's driving to work, he's listening to hardcore gangster rap. And then this uh, black guy's walking past him and he locks the door and turns down the music until he passes. Looks over his shoulder, turns back the gangster rap and just starts going at it again. <laughs> uh, it, this movie is it, it, the thing about it is everybody's been there. Yeah. Everyone has been there. Milton with his swing line stapler. You have my stapler. You have my stapler. I'm going to bring this place to the ground. And that and the cake. Last time I didn't get any cake, I was promised there would be cake. And the cake is almost gone. Yeah, that Milton, he's a great character. And we've all had a boss like Bill Lumberg. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's, you know, the other thing, uh, there are so many things that, about this movie that we could probably talk about this movie for a half hour. Yes. That, in, in fact, the funnier thing about it was, is when we talked about doing this, we said, okay, this is what we're going to talk about this week. Go pick a movie. And I picked three movies. And Office Space was one of my movies, too. <laughs> you stole my movie. Well, I did the same thing. I was like, what am I going to do? And Mighty Python was on my list. So, it, it, you know, that the movie itself, it's just, it's it's fun. It's one of those movies. I have certain movies that if I flip it through the channels on TV and it's on, I'm like, okay, I'm done for the night. I know yeah. what I'm watching. Yeah, this is definitely a movie, you know, to sit back, relax if you got nothing else to do and just... Enjoy and have a good laugh. If nothing else, just watch it and look at Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> yes. Why not? That's what I would do. Uh, great film, though. I, I, I really enjoy this one. And, um, yeah, like I said, everybody's been in that position of every person in that movie. The, the guy that nobody can pronounce his name. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the, the and, and Michael Bolton. And uh, the funnier thing, I don't know if you've seen it, Funnier Die did a skit from Office Space. And Michael Bolton plays... Michael Bolton. Oh, that's awesome. And they just kind of superimposed him into the movie. <laughs> and he's just sitting there. That's awesome. It's, 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 and they even go to the printer scene. <laughs> so, yeah, I, go see this one, really. Yes. And at the end of the day, they all find a job that they enjoy um, after some hilarity ensues with, uh, I'll just say, what is it, a Superman 3 reference? Yes. <laughs> So, great film. Get on out and see these ones. I, You know, Office Space is a great movie. I really enjoy it. And if you've, if you've never really, I mean, I'm sure everybody has seen at least one episode of Beavis and Pothead. Yeah, or, or King of the Hill. King of the Hill, most definitely. You have to have seen it. So, get out see these ones. Once again, uh, I had Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Ryan did Office Space. But great movies nonetheless. Remember next week, Barbie. Yay! Ryan is just a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Oh, That's I'm, all there I, is I to it. I am so giddy right now. All right. So until then, go see a movie. We'll talk to you later. 
And that brings us to the end of this week's journey. But don't worry, Dave and Ryan have more movies to watch and more opinions to spew next week. Dave and Ryan will share their review of Barbie, which opens up nationwide on July 21st. The duo will also talk about pioneers in cinema and movies so bad, they're good. You can relive and download today's episode at castlecountryradio.com. We'll see you next week on Dave and Ryan's Movie Review. That's it. That's a wrap. See you next week.